brother i'm grace hello brother i'm stephanie and this is doppelgangers today we're talking about season five episode five of the vampire diaries which is called monsters ball i'm friends with the monster and the theme of this episode is you just can't keep a bad bitch down yeah you really can't keep a bad bitch down in the case of both silas and Catherine. yeah and ketsia i would argue I will start, as always, with the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. On campus, Elena is touched by a sad and secretive student named Aaron. Elena and Damon attend the Whitmore Historical Ball dressed as Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII. At the ball, Elena shares a dance with Dr. Maxfield, who has a disturbing message for her. Caroline's evening at the ball takes her from happiness to heartbreak. Meanwhile, Nadia reveals her surprising history to Catherine, and Damon tries to make a deal with Silas. Silas's demand that Damon commit an unthinkable act leads to a violent confrontation. We open the episode in Dr. Maxfield's lab, where we actually ended the last episode. He's extracting some blood, and wouldn't you know it, it's from our good friend Jesse. He's going through all the little curly cues and beakers. I don't really know why you need all that. It's very much giving mad scientist. Yeah, you're just making him smell blood. What do you need to, to do before you do that? He puts a little bit of blood in a Petri dish and he just like swirls it above Jesse. (laughs) Um, And Jesse, of course, reacts because he's a vampire now, famously. His veins show up, his fangs show up. So we saw him die. We didn't see him complete the transition last episode. But now we know the transition has been completed. Jesse's a vampire. But he hasn't had a lick of blood since then, apparently. Yeah. Jesse says, hey, Dr. Maxfield, why are you doing this? You know, my insides are burning up. I'm hungry. Just like totally curious. What's the vibe here today? Yeah, he's like, I do have some questions. It's really concerning to me. Like, this was just a work study job. Like, I really, I shouldn't be here this long. Like, my max is 10 hours a week. What's the deal? (laughs) Dr. Maxfield responds by not talking to Jesse, but instead talking into a tape recorder. Me, I'd be yelling so those recordings are useless. I'd be talking over him every second. You want to talk to this tape recorder, bitch? Guess what? I'm on it too now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) I got something to sing. But he does not refer to him as Jesse. He refers to him as subject 62547, which implies the existence of subjects 1 through 62546. Doubtful that he's had that many subjects. I'll say that. Dr. Maxfield says, after his initial transition, 62547 has undergone three days without feeding. Subject is weak, but lucid. Upper left and right cuspid are normal after the blood stimulus is removed. And Jesse says, again, I just got to ask, like, what are you doing to me? Dr. Maxfield says pupils are at full dilation, sensitivity to light. He waves a flashlight. Jesse snaps. He says sensitivity to light is an obvious 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. Gets a little goofy on the tape recorder. Yeah, that's just for him. Jesse says, again, what's happening with me? Why am I so hungry? Me personally, I'd have other questions before why am I so hungry, but he's chained to a table. It's been three days. Maybe he's asked all the really pressing ones already. Dr. Maxfield says subject is confused yet self-aware. Yeah, bitch. (laughs) Um, And he says, personality seems intact. Hunger remains primary focus. All in all, appears to be a perfect candidate. So we theorized a lot about Dr. Maxfield's intentions here. Does this scene change those ideas? Like, what do you think he's a perfect candidate for? No, I found this as very much confirmation that he is indeed doing some sort of medical testing on vampires. Mm -hmm. Now, what exactly that medical testing is, 
I had said that it was something to do with like identifying vampire blood. He hasn't appeared to draw any blood. So I'm not really sure if that's part of it. It seems to be much more focused on personality and kind of how you're responding to the transition, which doesn't super vibe with like microbiology. I know I can't stick in those spaces. You got to let go of microbiology. That was just a weird science word they picked. (laughs) But it seems to be much more like an animal behavior research situation of what happens post-transition, maybe how do you make sure a vampire is an ethical vampire, something like that. So you think he wants to like train him to feed on animal blood? Not necessarily train him, but to understand, like it might be more observational of like who is a good candidate for vampirism. Like how can we tell before we turn someone if they will make it through the transition? Or if they'll be a ripper. How do we minimize rippers? Yeah, I think it's more about like, again, animal behavior in a science term of like Jane Goodall vibes. But he is obviously getting in there. So you think he's kind of a good guy, it seems. No. (laughs) He's trying to study vampires to limit them from killing people. That's kind of net positive, wouldn't you say? Based on your own theory. In theory, that's a worthy cause. Um, I think the way he's going about it, not cool. Because there's no way he got an IRB for this. I mean... What is an IRB? It's like you go to the Institutional Review Board for any research that has human subjects. What makes you think he went to a review board for this? What makes you think he's doing this above board? That's what I'm saying. He clearly didn't. He clearly didn't. And here's my thought, too. I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later. He may be trying to understand vampires to avenge someone's death caused by vampires, perhaps. So maybe I think what we're getting at is that you think he views... Maybe he didn't have to get an IRB because he views vampires as animals. So he's not doing human testing. He's doing animal testing. Now, granted, Jesse was a human when he came into this lab. Yeah, he's killing a human to get to animal testing. Yeah, I mean, I think he views vampires as less than human. And animals you can train, kind of like dog show vibes. Yeah. Interesting. That's my guess. A little psychology vibe. Sure. We go over to the quad. At Whitmore College, Elena is writing in her titular vampire diary. She got a new one after she, you know, burned all her other ones to bits. Yeah, she's got a lot to say. She says, dear diary, do you ever get sick of me writing about death? The diary says, yes. (laughs) The diary says, finally, you ask. (laughs) Uh, She says, it's been four days since Bonnie died. Or, well, four days since I found out Bonnie died. (laughs) She wanted me to go back to school. So here I am back at school, studying, going to class, trying to move on like everyone else. Stefan actually has it easiest because he doesn't even remember Bonnie. There is a plus side to amnesia. Yeah. But she says, but it's not like anyone sees Stefan except for Caroline, who's back with Tyler. We quickly see Caroline and Tyler hooking up. Glad they're having fun. It will be short-lived. We can even guess that at this point. We all can tell where this day is going, except Caroline. The forward train has been off the tracks for quite some time. Yeah. Let's bring that bitch to a stop. Put it out of its misery. Let's take forward out behind the burn. (laughs) It's time. I think it's time. Elena says, you know, Tyler's been a healthy distraction for Caroline, to say the least. And I've adopted my own distraction. And we see him as she announces him, Dr. Wes Maxfield. She says, my roommate was killed by a vampire and Dr. Maxfield covered it up. And I'd like to know why. I mean, why? (laughs) I mean, there's one level of it that is like, obviously she feels bad about not solving Bonnie's death. So now she wants to solve this death. But also it's really, you know, selfish because this guy has some connection to her father. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Dr. Maxfield approaches and he says, welcome back. See you at the costume ball tonight. 
that's a, that's your student. <laughs> we do have to ignore the fact that they're going to a costume ball in college. I mean, it's goofy. Professors are there. I think they kind of explain it away in a way that like makes sense for a college that is a historical institution. Yes, they do as best they can. I'll allow it. Yeah. It's just kind of a funny event. But, you know, I love a costume party. I love a ball event. Like, I'm down with it. It's just a little bit of a reach. Well, it's also just funny that, you know, Caroline later refers to it as the Whitmore Historical Ball. So it is funny that this adult man is going to an 18-year-old and going, you're going to the costume ball tonight? Keep it in your pants. Yeah. And it's almost worse that she's not your student while you're saying this. Yeah. BTW. Yeah. That actually makes it weirder. (laughs) She says, I wouldn't miss it. And he walks away. And then she continues to write in her vampire diary. She says, besides, the more I have to think about, the less time I have to miss Bonnie. She wipes a tear, but Bonnie watches. And Bonnie's like, it's okay, Elena. I'm right here and I miss you too. Well, bitch, she can't hear you, so it's not comforting. (laughs) It's like, thanks, Bonnie, but you know that's not doing anything. Like, why bother with it? Yeah. Bonnie puts her hand on Elena's shoulder, which, of course, Elena can't feel. And Elena says, in the meantime, I choose to believe she's watching over me because that's who Bonnie is. It would be funny if Bonnie hadn't been there during this. Yeah. It would be funny if Bonnie was just like at the movies. Yeah. She's like, well, I don't need to watch Elena all the time. I mean, (laughs) she's not doing much. She's just journaling. The diary again. Oh, because also it's not like she can read Elena's thoughts. So she has to stand really close reading it while she writes. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of work. Then Elena gets a call from Damon. She looks at it and then she declines it. But Damon is there. So he approaches. He says, busted. And she says, hi. <laughs> oh, God. She said, oh, that's embarrassing. He said, oops. He says, hey, miss avoiding me for three days. She says, we've been talking. He says, texting one time. But then he comes up to detail a text that she sent him. So who's avoiding who? That he didn't respond to. Who's avoiding who? Damon quotes the text she sent him. Want to be my plus one at a costume ball? Winky face. And she says, and you never replied. So I'm guessing this special in-person visit means yes. Don't sound too excited to see your boyfriend, Elena. Calm it down. Damn. Yeah, keep it in your pants. (laughs) And Damon says that he definitely will maybe consider thinking about going to the costume ball. Like he has any other plans. Yeah. And you came to the college. It's not like a funny bit. Like you drove out here. Yeah. Like, you got gas. You went to the gas station. <laughs> Elena says the ball's at 8 o'clock. Caroline got us costumes. And then she kisses him and heads off to class. And he says, oh, like, where are you going? And she says, class, I'm late. And she leaves. So the vibe is off. Yeah, vibes are looking a little iffy. Then we go over to Caroline and Elena's dorm room. Caroline and Tyler are hooking up in blankets on the floor, even though there are three beds in this room. <laughs> and Caroline says, oh. Before I forget, I talked to the registrar and your major is, drumroll, sociology. Let him be a business major. (laughs) She's like, no, he has to take something that makes him like more aware of my feelings. Yeah, she's like, I want him to learn empathy. (laughs) So I'm going to make him a sociology major. (laughs) She said, I can't do women's studies. That's too obvious. Sociology I can get away with because I don't think he'll know what that means. I have to trick him into learning how to think about other people. He's going to be a liberal yet. (laughs) And guess what? He won't fall for it. (laughs) He says, oh, how about we don't talk about my major right now? Now she should be picking up on these clues, but... Yeah, so it's it's sounding like he's super excited to be in college. Yeah. She says, oh, and I compelled you a single. And he says, I definitely don't want to talk about my dorm room. It's so slay of Caroline to be like, I want a roommate for the college experience, but my boyfriend has a single. 
<laughs> she set herself up. She says, oh, you don't want to talk about your major or your dorm room? Well, how about we talk about the hybrid size jerky them for not calling me back ever? She's like, fine, we can talk about something else. She said, oh, yeah, you don't want to talk about the fun shit that I did for you? Fine. How about this? <laughs> and he says, how many times do you want me to tell you? I've been helping a werewolf pack in the land of no cell reception. She says, I know you have AT&T and they have service everywhere. And it's like, no matter how many times you tell her that, that excuse doesn't get better. Okay. Especially when you left her a voicemail two weeks ago. Yeah. Obviously you can call. So you can call maybe at different times, maybe not constantly through the day, but like you're able to. Also not for nothing. Yes. Let's say you're in the mountains of Appalachia. You have no cell reception. Do you not have the ability to run fast? <laughs> run down a mountain once a day. <laughs> like, what's the fucking holdup? You probably have to do that anyway, because guess what? Werewolves need human food. Yeah. I know you guys are going into town at least a couple times a week. And I know this isn't the point, but again, what the fuck is he doing for them? How helpful can he really be? I'm so serious. Well, that's the thing. I don't know that he's helping them. I think they're kind of like, oh, you want to hang out, I guess. Well, yeah, again, how's he helping them? Because they're werewolves. So they turn once a month. Yeah. He does not need to live there. They're not hybrids that he's unsiring, that he has to like spend all day having them turn. These people turn once a month and they're in a pack. They have each other and they live somewhere remote. It's not even in danger. They don't even have control over turning. It's like, what are you doing? I think he just wanted to turn into a wolf with some people and run around. He just wanted to run in the woods and cry about Klaus. Yeah. Just say that. You can go every full moon to Appalachia if you absolutely have to, for whatever dumbass reason you have. But you cannot be necessary to the operation there. Do they like you? And be honest. Yeah, because I don't see any of them trying to reach out to you. You left to go hook up with your girlfriend, and none of them were like, wait, Tyler, we really need you. Well, they don't have self-deception. <laughs> but on the way out, they didn't shout. <laughs> they let him go. Whatever. On my anti-Tyler side, which I never thought I'd be. Yeah, I know. It's so funny because I do remember watching this the first time. And when Caroline and Tyler get together, being like, oh my God, I will never turn on this couple. And then how quickly I I push him in front of a bus. Obviously, Caroline is part of that, but it's not all of it. Yeah. Even with Klaus not on the show right now, I don't want these two talking to each other. I'm like, you know what? Klaus was right to forbid that. Klaus was doing us all a favor. Caroline says, lucky for you, I figured out a way for you to make up for it. And he says, I thought I did a couple dozen times. If you don't grow a little bit of emotional intelligence, King. You were gone in the mountains for three months. You having sex with her three times does not make up for it, okay? Yeah. Let's be serious. Let's be honest. She says, you're escorting me to the Whitmore Historical Ball. It's the one time a year where they put their whole collection on display and everyone dresses up as famous historical figures. Sure. And she says, I got Steph in a costume. Even he's going to come. And then she says, come on, Tyler. I mean, how cute will we be as Bonnie and Clyde? Cute costume. It's always fun. He says, seriously. She says, you're right. Let's not talk. They hook up more. What I love about this episode is Caroline picked everyone's costumes and she is psychologically communicating with them. Mm -hmm. And Bonnie and Clyde is like, we're on the run, but we're on the run together. Yeah. And Tyler said, no. Tyler said, I'm just on the run, bitch. He said, no, thank you. Hurt. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> then we go out to the quad where Megan's memorial is there. And it's a picture of her with like a couple flowers. It's pretty sparse. 
It's been a couple of weeks. People have stopped really leaning into it, it appears. It's been a couple of weeks, and she was on campus for three days. It is what it is. But there is one person there. It's one sad boy who we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And he is sitting, like, way right up next to it, way close to it, looking at it. And Elena can't help but spot him because she's like a bloodhound for grief. Yeah. She said, hmm, someone's mourning over there. She said, you know what? Does someone want to talk about death with me? (laughs) And also, I can fix them, even though I don't know how to handle grief myself. I can fix someone's survivor's guilt, even though I haven't reckoned with my own. Yeah. So she goes up to him. She says, hey. And he says, hey. She says, I'm Elena. Megan used to be my roommate. Do you know her? Like, obviously. She's suspicious. She's like, is that Megan's killer coming back to the scene of the crime? But killers always do. Mm-hmm. Always return to the scene of the crime. He says, oh, we knew each other growing up. And she says, oh, wow. I'm sorry. And he picks up a little flower and he tosses it. He says, pretty sad memorial, huh? Well, now it's even sadder. You got rid of the one flower left. Yeah. He says, guess it's not exactly cool to mourn during fall rush. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's depressing. She was on campus for like two days. A lot of these people don't know her. Yeah. And that's sad. And like they can mourn it. But at the same time, it's like, well, she must have been in a rough place. Like how horrible that that's the path she took. But but I got to get a bid from SAE. Yeah. I mean, I'm busy. (laughs) But I need to be in a frat. It is also suspicious that he knows Megan from his childhood. Megan notably knew Grayson Gilbert at some point. And, you know, even before we get to who he's the spawn of, you know, it's not a big jump that he also knows Grayson Gilbert. So it's weird that Elena didn't get in that child group. That is true. So here's my question while we're talking about this. Do you think Aaron knows that's Elena Gilbert before she introduces herself? Hmm. I was going to say no, because like, Wes calls her Lena Gilbert later, but I think yeah. there's definitely a possibility. But then I think if he knew, then Megan would know. That's true. I mean, and I guess it also depends. We can talk more about Aaron and Wes's relationship later. But do we assume that they know the same things? Are they close? Are they not? I assume they know the same things. Great. But we'll get into the details later. I also should say, I'm, I know we're in the middle of the scene, but I forgot to open with his IMDb. We learn later that this man's name is Aaron. But the actor's name is Sean Sipos. Here's what is on his IMDb. He was in the 2013 Texas Chainsaw 3D. He's in a lot of movies that have the same like poster that are like early 2010s horror films. Oh, yeah. He was on 12 episodes of Life Unexpected, which was like, I think, a CW show. It was trying to be the new Gilmore Girls. I didn't watch it, but he was on 12 episodes of that. If anyone watched it, that might be a similar audience who's listening to Doppelgangers. He was also on the revived Melrose place on the CW, the very short-lived. Oh, yeah. That one is like the one reboot that didn't stick. Uh, He was on 18 (laughs) episodes. He played a character called David Breck. A couple episodes of CSI here and there. He's on one episode of Smallville. He plays the role of Chloe's boy thing. (laughs) Wait a second. He was in Final Destination 2. Some guy named Frankie? Maybe he was in the car. A lot of people were in cars in that one. That's like the whole thing. (laughs) I'm in the main car. Let me search. Cause of death. Incinerated in vehicle pileup. Yeah. I think he was in AJ Cook's car. Oh, he was. But here's what happened. Here's why. So he was in her car with friends. She pulls over and gets everyone to get out of the car, which because she gets the premonition. 
he doesn't get out after the premonition. So he dies fast. Anyway, so that's what he was in. <laughs> anyway, so Elena says, well, you know, everyone mourns differently. Some do flowers, others do what their loved ones would have wanted. Aaron says, you know, well, what Megan would have wanted is to still be here alive. Well, we're kind of past that. Yeah. Maybe ask your dad about it. Elena says, mm, they said she committed suicide. And he says, yeah, I know that's what they said. Suspicious. That's the question. Does he know his dad is who signed off on it? I do want to, I was kind of happy letting you believe this. We don't know for sure it's his dad right now. Oh. Wes refers to himself as his legal guardian. Okay. Still, does he know his legal guardian? Yes. <laughs> signed off. Dad for all intents and purposes. Sure. And they have the same eyes and face, you know, organization. They definitely seem related from what we can tell. Oh, I don't want the fans to think that I'm letting you. I don't want the fans to think that I think it's his dad at this moment. Because he says legal guardian. So. Yeah, because he says legal guardian. I'm just taking the episode at face value. You're just really focused on the details. I am. But yeah, it is true. Like, what does he know? But Aaron seems pretty sure that Megan didn't kill herself. Oh, yeah. He seems confident about that. Whether he knows who covered it up or what, he seems pretty sure it's a cover up. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, Elena clocks. And so Elena says, oh, so what do you think happened? Super fair question, honestly, since he clearly is dying to talk about it. Yeah, and he opened up the conversation, but he does not answer this question. Yeah. Instead, he says, you know, if you care about her, get her some flowers. She liked those. Elena's like, well, I didn't really care about her. So Elena's like, well, I mean, you can see the memorial. Like, I think we're pretty much at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go out and buy new flowers. <laughs> He starts to walk away, which is so interesting because he brought most of this up. Yeah. He had no issue getting on his little soapbox. He said, I don't think she killed herself. Anyway, bye. I don't think she killed herself. Oh, my God. What do you think happened? I have to go. And she says, hey, do you have a name? And he says, yeah, I do. And then he walks away. If you like the way I talk, then why am I on your mind? Kind of slay, I fear. He said, I'll see her tonight at the ball. I got the mystery going. We're, we're set. He said, always leave him one and more. <laughs> like your name. <laughs> Gotta give him the goosebumps walk away. <laughs> then we go over to the hotel where Nadia and Catherine are saying. Nadia is on the phone with Silas. And she says, cut to the chase, Silas. What do you want? Feels like he's been abundantly clear with that. Yeah. I don't know why she's wasting her minutes on this. But I know it's exposition because it's the beginning of a new episode. He says, I want Catherine Pierce. What do you think I want? He says, why do you think I'm calling you again? We're not like interacting. <laughs> yeah. She says, so do I, which is why I took her away from you. You can have your brown-eyed bitch of a cure for immortality when I'm done. And he says, yeah, but you've already had her for like a whole night. So how much longer do you need? She says, mm, aren't you immortal? What's a few more hours? <laughs> he says, here's the thing, Nadia. I don't really care what you need. I only really care what I need. I'm a little selfish like that. And it's like, that's great, Silas, but you're not the one that has Catherine. So it does kind of matter what she needs. Should have thought about that before you let her get away. Exactly. She says, well, then why don't you mind control a whole town of people and find out where I'm holding her? Oh, that's right. You can't. She's so funny for that. Silas says, you know, I'm very aware of my current superpower predicament. Thank you very much. But even though my brain is on the fritz, thanks to an ex-fiance stalker witch who can't seem to take a hint. I wouldn't say that's Ketsu's problem. I think she took the hint. I think the issue is what the hint was. Yeah, I think she didn't <laughs> like the hint. <laughs> He says, it doesn't mean that I'm not still brilliant and crafty and becoming rapidly well-versed in the power of cell phone tracking. So clearly he's been trying to keep her on the phone. She hangs up pretty quick. She said, okay, that's enough of that. And you know what? Sure. If you're actually tracking cell phones, great. I doubt it. 
I bet he's not, but you know, he's gotta he's gotta keep Nadia on her toes. Yeah, you've gotta threaten it. Catherine says to Nadia, hey, little tip, woman to woman. Don't piss off the diabolical ones. And if you're gonna hold me hostage, the least thing you can do is feed me properly. And Nadia says, We're gonna eat lunch on the road. Let's get out of here. And Catherine says, you know what? Here's the thing, girl. Just hand me over. Like, let him take his little sip of my blood so he can cure himself of immortality. We can all be on our merry way back to finer accommodations. And Nadia says, girl, here's my tip, woman to woman. Don't offer to hand yourself over to the diabolical ones when you don't know the whole story. And Catherine says, yeah, yeah, what's the whole story, girly? Now, girl, you should come to this conclusion on your own, but whatever. <laughs> she's focused on getting pancakes. Yeah, she's hungry. She's in a bad mood. Nadia says, Silas needs more than just a sip to cure himself. He needs every last drop of blood in your body. And Catherine says, but I'm a human now. If he did that, Nadia says, yeah, you die. I know. Nadia's like, I understand the situation. And that's why I'm not handing you over because I have a reveal to do today. Yeah. She said, because I'm going to gag you a bit in a, in a few hours. <laughs> then we go over to the Salvatore house. Damon is talking to Jeremy and he gives us a little bit of exposition before he sets us up for the episode. He says, as we know, in a psychotic lapse of judgment, Bonnie brought you back to life and died in the process. May she rest in peace. And Jeremy's like, yep, that's me. You got it. Then Jeremy says, actually, she's right over there. She's sitting in the room. Now, Damon can't see her, so I don't know why we need to tell him this. That's not really relevant. It's like, well, actually, you should mention that she's over there. He doesn't know. Why would he mention it? Damon says, whatever. The whole point... <laughs> is I just happen to know a supernatural being who happens to want to die. And in the spirit of nature needing a balance and a life for life and all that stuff, I just think it would be a huge waste of a perfectly good death. Kinging here. He's kinging indeed, making points, because he's the one thinking, let's get Bonnie back. Now, is he doing it just to keep Elena in his good graces? Perhaps. But at least he's doing it. The result will have the same positive effect, even if his intention was a little selfish. Who cares? And he likes Bonnie just fine. And frankly, it's good for them to have a witch around. Let's all remember how much they make Bonnie do. Yeah, that's been proven. And it's also just like, at this point, obviously, like trying to defeat Silas didn't work. You guys shit the bet on that one multiple times. It's not working. You guys don't have any more information than you've ever had. Like, you're kind of stuck in this situation right now. And the thing is, they want him gone. Silas wants to kill himself. Why not make his death work for you? Yeah. It's Damon Kinging. Like, you guys don't want him here. He wants out. You're on the same page. Why not work together? And I know you guys are all mad that he did shit. You worked with Klaus, and Klaus did worse. Yeah, honestly, Silas didn't do that much to anyone they give a fuck about, except for pushing Stefan in the quarry in a safe to drown, which everyone seems to be way over. Yeah, the worst thing he did was make Stefan drown for three months. And while I think they all, like, understand that's unfortunate, like, they didn't have the lived experience of drowning every 30 minutes. Yeah. So to them, it's like, man, that sucked, but we got Stefan. And not even Stefan currently has that lived experience. Yeah, Stefan doesn't remember that. So kind of like whatever at this point i mean like he killed jeremy but jeremy's back yeah anyway so jeremy says what are you talking about connect the dots king damon says something elena doesn't need to know about until it works and jeremy says wait you want to work with silas then we go over to the mystic grill where damon is sitting with silas silas says so why did you call me and damon says same reason you answered you need help and i'm gonna help you at the salvador house damon goes on to explain to jeremy from the beginning Silas's whole bad guy plan was to kill himself, pass on to wherever, and reunite with his dead girlfriend, Amara. I want to use his death to bring Bonnie back to life. At the grill, Silas says, what makes you think I need help? 
And Damon says, well, you're still here. <laughs> you are not dead. Your whole thing is you want to die and you're walking around. So looks like it's not going great for you. And I've met Ketsia. <laughs> yeah. Damon's late on this one. Damon says, as in, why do you suck so badly at killing yourself? Fantastic insult. Nailed it. He really need to get one over on Silas. Silas has been schooling Damon for weeks now. This is barely getting back at him. <laughs> at the Salvador house, Damon says to die, he has to be mortal. If he's mortal, then he's a witch. And if he dies as a witch, he's stuck on the other side forever. And Jeremy says, well, he already tried to bring down the veil to the other side. He failed. And Bonnie says, well, maybe he has a plan B. Maybe he wants to do more than drop the veil and let all the ghosts out. Damon notices the long stretch of silence and he says you know i can't hear her right <laughs> damon's like you do have to repeat what she says if she's gonna have something to say here he said if bonnie's talking right now which i assume she is based on you looking blankly at an empty area <laughs> you need to repeat it to me <laughs> jeremy says she thinks silas wants to destroy the other side completely and bonnie says powerful spells are bound by something even more powerful the moon a comet a doppelganger. The other side was made 2,000 years ago, and it still exists. That means she must have bound it to something that could exist just as long. At the grill, Silas says, a mystical anchor. Now, I read this as literally an anchor. I think that's fair. I think that makes sense. At some point in the episode, I was like, wait, was he being like figurative, like an anchor for the other side to anchor to? But I'm, I am under the impression that this is fully an anchor. They speak about it in general, like it gets moved around, like it's it they're speaking about it as if it is a literal anchor. Yeah. I just wanted to throw out the the possibility that it's the other that it's also not an anchor. <laughs> that it's just like some other kind of object like a moonstone. Yeah. Gotcha. Silas says this mystical anchor binds her spell to the other side. So Silas wants to destroy it, of course. He says, Ketsia or Tessa or whatever the hell she's calling herself these days, she wants to protect it. So she's the only person that knows where the anchor is hidden. But fortunately, she will be at the Whitmore Historical Ball this evening. I love her going to this ball. Yeah, she's so real. <laughs> and she does have a good reason. But at first, it's like, why is Ketsia going to a fucking college party? <laughs> at first, it's like, who even told her about this? <laughs> Damon says, I thought you said you lost all your psychic powers. And Silas says, oh, I did. But I still have my incredible powers of observation. And I observed her buying a Cleopatra costume today. No, she was just buying that for around the house. It's funny because the Cleopatra costume, like, yes, it has the wig. But she bought a tan dress. Yeah. That's not a clue. <laughs> but, you know, one thing you know about Tessa, she was at Zara or whatever. And she is telling the cashier her life story. She's like, I'm actually going to a costume ball tonight, dressed as Cleopatra. And my ex is going to be there, so... Because she was like, cash or credit? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Do you have a rewards card? Can we move? There are like 40, 15-year-olds behind you, and they're mean. Tessa applied for a Zara credit card so that she could keep telling the cashier her life story. <laughs> she said, oh, I can get 10% off. And the cashier was like, it's really not that good a deal. It'll tank your credit score, <laughs> please. And then at the Salvatore house, Damon says, back to my original question. Let's say Silas destroys the other side, cures himself, becomes a witch. Is it supernaturally possible that he can do a spell that swaps his life for her life once he kills himself? And I mean, it is a tricky question because if he destroys the other side, where's Bonnie going to go? Yeah. I mean, she's already dead. So like, it's not that big of a risk. Like worst case, 
she's dead and the one person who could talk to her can't anymore. I mean, worst case scenario, she finds peace. Yeah, it's really kind of a sweet deal for her. Yeah. Bonnie says, supernaturally, yes, it's possible. But this is the same Silas who murdered my father. He's ruthless. And whatever spell he could do, there'd be some consequence. There always is. So no, my answer is definitely not. Well, and let's not act like uh, killing your father was that ruthless of a thing. Anyone who went up on the microphone that day would have gotten killed. It was more just like style. He didn't really do it like as, I mean, he did kill a person, but it wasn't like so malicious that he was like, I'm going to kill Bonnie's dad. Do you think he knows who Rudy is new? Yeah. Like it was murder, but it wasn't quite so personal. Yeah. And Silas has nothing against Bonnie. I mean, like he doesn't like that Bonnie didn't super cooperate with him, but it's kind of all's well that ends well. He He's here. Yeah. And she did, you know, a lot that he asked. It just didn't quite work for him. But I think he he got it over on her when, you know, she died. Yeah. So Bonnie doesn't really want to work with Silas, though, because, you know, they have a little bit of a history. And Jeremy has heard Bonnie say this. He's like, interesting point. But he doesn't really give a fuck. So he turns to Damon. He says, she's in. And Bonnie (laughs) says, what? And, you know, she obviously talked for longer than saying she's in. But Jeremy said, I don't need to go into detail. You get it. He said, you get it. We're bringing her back. (laughs) Then back over at the grill, Damon says to Silas, so we have a deal. And Silas says, well, we have half a deal. I'm resurrecting some witch with my death, but we've yet to discuss how you're helping me. And Damon says, oh, well, you've yet to tell me what you want. And Silas says, oh, it's actually super simple. I just want you to kill your brother. And I'm like, that seems like a big ask. And then, of course, it turns out being a pretty small ask. Yeah, actually, if Silas were to bring Bonnie back, Damon would be getting more than he gave. Exactly. And even if he doesn't bring Bonnie back, I mean, Damon doesn't really lose anything here, so... And Stefan's getting on Damon's nerves a bit. He could get some of that, you know, tension out. Yeah. Then we go over to a roadside diner. Catherine is eating some pancakes. They're having lunch. And Nadia says, I've been tailing you for 500 years. There are a few things I'd like to clear up. And Catherine says, why would I tell you anything? Who else are you going to talk to? Yeah, exactly. Nadia says, you indulge me in some answers and I'll let you go. Catherine says, really? My freedom in exchange for a Q&A? Okay, fine, whatever. And Nadia says, in 1864, there was a vampire roundup in Mystic Falls. Not a question, Nadia. Catherine says, was there? I'm really bad with dates. <laughs> Nadia says, word on the street is you sold out many vampires, including your BFF Pearl and her daughter, Annabelle. Rest in peace, Pearl and Anna. Yeah, but to be fair, Anna did get out of that one. Catherine says, yeah, I was running from Klaus. I needed to jet solo. I threw a couple vampire names on the hit list. Sue me. She's like, I did what I had to do. She's like, what is with all these people getting mad about the tomb shit? That isn't even the worst thing I did. She's like, that was actually a super chill thing. She said, Pearl got it. She understood. Pearl gets it. She's my friend. She said, by the way, Pearl's the one who fell in love with a Gilbert. That's not on me. (laughs) And then Catherine runs down her other, you know, greatest hits. She says, I also impersonated a teenager to get my ex-boyfriends to make out with me. Serve. Staged a fake fight to trigger my lover's werewolf curse. Slay. Ooh. And I chopped off this douchey guy's fingers with a butcher knife once. That was cool. Was cool. It was awesome. (laughs) You're right about that. (laughs) I would watch that scene again and again and again, bitch. (laughs) Nadia says, what about ripping a mother away from her daughter? Having her killed for your own benefit. And Catherine's like, "Mm, that sounds like me. Catherine says, sounds like (laughs) me, but I don't. You're going to have to be more specific. (laughs) Catherine says, what are you getting at? Nadia says, not a little bit about me. 
I had myself turned into a vampire to hunt you, to even the playing field, to track your every move for however long it took me until I found you. And I did this because you killed my mother. And you know, obviously this story is not 100% correct at this point. It took you 500 years to hunt her down? Catherine Slippery. Well, this is also where her story starts to fall apart because she says that this happened in Paris in 1645. Mm Mm-hmm. That's less than 500 years ago. Yeah. So if you got turned in 1645, you wouldn't have been tracking her for 500 years. It would have been more like 400 years. She kind of gives it away because she really has been tracking her for 500 years because that's when she was actually born because she was abandoned by Catherine as a baby. Yeah. But anyway, Nadia goes on for her fake story. She says it happened in Paris, 1645. Catherine says, I go to Paris for shoes. The shoes I remember, everything else requires a few more details, bitch. (laughs) she's like that was a long time ago girly girly you know it's like 2011 right (laughs) nadia says her name was lilia toma you were on the run from klaus she took you in but when his minions showed up you pointed at my mom and said that's katarina petrova she's the one you want so they took her away and that's when i said you know that's not really Catherine's fault that klaus's minions were stupid enough to believe that that was Catherine. Yeah, in 1645, if Klaus's minions don't know what Catherine looks like, like, that's on them. Yeah, I was like, that's kind of not Catherine's fault. Like, seems a little dramatic. Now, it doesn't make sense because it didn't happen. Yeah, and also, Lily would be like, no, I'm not Catherine. And you can take us both in, and Klaus will pick the one who's actually Catherine. Yeah. So the story is, like, logically a mess because it is fake. And Nadia wants Catherine to call it a fake because Nadia is desperate for her mother's approval. We'll get into that. Yeah. And so Catherine says, "Mm, you were never going to let me go, were you? (laughs) Nadia says, no, but I'd hate for you to die on an empty stomach. So time to go. And Catherine's like, fine. I'll eat this pancake then. The pancakes rocked. So Catherine gets up to go. She leads the way. Nadia's behind her. But Catherine can't help but notice a wooden cane. Convenient. Nadia doesn't notice this like an idiot. So Catherine really quickly grabs the cane, stabs Nadia and breaks it off and then runs out of the diner. And everyone else in the diner is like, what the fuck? Because, yeah. you know, Catherine, you cannot keep her down. You cannot keep her held. She will get away. Yeah. You cannot keep a bad bitch down. She will find any stick of wood in her vicinity. And she will stab you with it. We go over to the Salvatore house. Bonnie talks to Jeremy and she says, hey, Jeremy, you need to call Damon and tell him you lied. Jeremy's like, why would I do that? I clearly am really happy with the lie that I told. Jeremy said, oh, what are you going to do? Tell him? He can't hear you, bitch. (laughs) Jeremy says, oh, so I can lie for you all summer as your witch translator, but when it's something I want, she says, well, Silas is too dangerous. And Jeremy says, "Mm, and bringing me back to life wasn't? Oh, right, it killed you. I mean, Jeremy's got points here. He does. Bonnie says, well, I brought you back because Elena needed you. And Jeremy says, well, now she needs you. And Bonnie says, what about the consequences? Haven't we learned this by now? When you abuse magic, there's always a price. Girl, no, we haven't learned it. First of all, Bonnie, you didn't learn it until you literally died. So clearly it's a difficult lesson to grasp. Exactly. (laughs) Jeremy says, what is worse than this? What is worse than seeing you and hearing you and not being able to feel you? Now I would counter with a whole bunch of things are worse than that. Yeah, there's a ton of worse things. For one... Not being able to see or hear her? Yeah. For two, other people dying? I'm still on Jeremy's side here, but this is not the the argument. <laughs> yes. Th- I think they should at least try this because 
Worst case scenario, Silas dies and doesn't bring Bonnie back. She's already not back. It's yeah. literally like you can't lose here. Like you can definitely get less of a win, but there's no no losing in this game. Silas is still going to die. Like best case scenario, Silas dies and Bonnie comes back. Worst case scenario, Silas dies and Bonnie stays the same. And that's fine. Well, worst case scenario, he can't talk to her at all, but no one else can talk to her anyway. So what, are you going to translate what she says to everyone for the rest of your life? I mean, no. Exactly. What happens when you meet a girlfriend who you can touch? What happens when you stop dating a ghost for once in your life? <laughs> Jeremy says, this isn't enough anymore. This like just talking to you, not having sex thing. He lasted <laughs> three months. Uh, he says, let Damon try to bring you back. And she kind of accepts this. Well, because she can't stop him. Yeah, what's she going to do? <laughs> then we go over to the costume ball. We get some peeks at costumes. There's one absolute work diva slay queen who just came as a Playboy bunny. She said, that's history, baby. She said, Gloria Steinem. <laughs> Loved that extra. She slayed. Caroline and Tyler enter in their Bonnie and Clyde outfits. So that's the first costume we see. Minute slay. Yeah. Caroline looks lovely. Tyler's there in a fedora. I mean, yeah. I'm not really looking at him. He's pissing me off. I'm purposely avoiding eye contact with him. Exactly. Tyler says, wow, all of this and you weren't even on the dance committee. And she says, I may have emailed a few suggestions. And then Tyler says, hey, did I mention you're the hottest serial killer in here? The theme is not serial killers. It's historical figures, you <laughs> dumbass. Maybe college would help. Just say she looks beautiful, okay? Yeah, just say she looks pretty. Just say I love you and I'm here for you. I love you so much. Thank you for picking this fun costume for us. I feel so comfortable in my suit and you look absolutely lovely. We make quite a beautiful couple. I love my girlfriend. I am so thankful for my girlfriend who is so nice to me, even though I'm a bitch ass who lived in the mountains for three months. <laughs> Just some suggestions. <laughs> Just some pitches. Caroline says, considering the crowd, I'll take that as a compliment. And then Tyler spots Stefan. He's standing somewhere in jeans, a white t-shirt, and a leather jacket. He was standing so still. I was like, is that Silas? Because <laughs> I'm like, you look like you're having fun, buddy. Yeah. Tyler says, I thought you got Stefan a costume. She says, he's James Dean. She's just like me for real, because I would make him dress like that every day. She did that for herself. Caroline slayed on that when she said, mm, I want him looking hot. Yeah. She says, I went easy on him. I figured with the bloodlust drama and the Damon Elena drama and the amnesia drama, like he's been through enough. He doesn't have to wear a crazy costume. That is fair. And the plus side of that, of course, is he's dressed as James Dean. Yeah. And also he looks hot. <laughs> Stefan approaches. He's already got a drink in his hand. One thing he didn't forget is how to drink that bourbon. He goes to Caroline and says, hey, dance with me. I'm buzzed and on the verge of having a good time. I love them. <laughs> I want them to fall in love. Tyler says, have fun. I'll get us drinks. And then he looks around. Because he's like, how long do I have to stay here before I dump her? Is an hour enough? She doesn't seem to be picking up on the hints. He says, are you guys dating? Because that's okay. I'd be so fine with it. He said, are you guys flirting right now? Please cheat on me. That would make this life so much easier. <laughs> Stefan and Caroline go to dance. And then we see Damon. He's standing in the corner. He's texting Silas. And he he's looking just the sexiest they could have made him look. I mean, this was wonderful work by Caroline. Caroline ate on this one. I'm sure that Caroline gave him a more historically accurate costume. And he remixed it to be hotter. And the teamwork really helps them both. Yeah, I know Caroline gave him like a vest with this an undershirt, a crown, and he said no. And I, I do think she probably gave him different pants. I think those leather pants were a distinct Damon edition. Yeah. <laughs> those are going to artistic choice. And I thank him for it. Mm -hmm. Elena approaches. She's in like 
you know, a gown and she's got the Amberlynn necklace. It's clear what's going on in case we're not historically minded. Damon says, Lady Anne Boleyn, who in their right mind would cut off a head so gorgeous? And she says, uh, you, my not so loving husband. So we know that they're Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn. And we have to think Caroline picked these costumes. She's making a point, bitch. Yeah, she's saying, Elena, don't you see what's happening? She said, he's going to cut your head off. Ironic, because she's the one dancing with the Ripper, but... I know, but (laughs) the thing about Caroline is she is selective about things, and she is anti-Damon and pro-Stefan. Yeah. And she's just like me for real for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one thing that makes me not like Caroline. (laughs) Not be like Caroline. I like her regardless. I want to make that clear. Yes, of course. Nothing could ever make you not like Caroline that you know of. That I know of, but... Yeah. I think it would take quite a bit. Even if she killed Damon, I think I could forgive her for it. Yeah, truly. Do you think if Damon killed Caroline, you could forgive him? I mean, I'm going to say no, because I know he doesn't. (laughs) But if he did, I might be, I I would have to think about it. I would have to think about it. It would be hard. Damon says, maybe I can dance my way out of this doghouse. She does not want to have fun. She says, "Mm, maybe later. She like laughs half-heartedly and she like tries to leave. And he's like, hey, maybe you can tell me what's going on with you. Bro, you know what's going on with her best friend died. He's like, girl, I took off so much of this costume. How much more do I need to take off for you to pay attention to me? (laughs) Elena says, look, Bonnie died three months ago. And what was I doing? I was having the summer of my life with you. And he tries to like laugh it off at first. He says, oh, guilt. Don't know it, but I've heard it can be a real bitch. She says, look, I know it's not my fault that Bonnie died, but it is my fault for not figuring it out sooner. And I get her feeling guilty, but Damon is right here when he says, look, Elena, you're allowed to be happy once in a blue moon. Besides, Jeremy was lying to us all summer. It was specifically Bonnie's intention to not let anyone figure it out. Yeah, like that was the goal that she had. Yeah. It's unfortunate that you didn't know and you were like having fun while Bonnie was dead and Stefan was in a safe, but like you didn't know. So you can't blame yourself for that. The things you knew at the time, you thought Stefan left town and that Bonnie was traveling. And you had no reason to not think those things. Yeah, Bonnie was actively trying to make you think that. Like, it's fine. Like, maybe you should have tried to call Stefan more, but... <laughs> but, like, hindsight's twenty twenty. It is what it is. We're all fine now. Stefan's out of the safe. Bonnie is still dead. But <laughs> we all know about it now. But we all know, and maybe she'll get out. Damon's working on it. Yeah, we'll see. Elena still, of course, feels guilty. She says, I should have figured it out. I know it's not the same, but I'm not going to let Megan's death fall through the cracks, too. And Damon says, who the fuck is Megan? (laughs) (laughs) Elena spots our little friend from earlier. We don't know his name is Aaron yet, but we'll figure it out. He is standing at the buffet in a little tuxedo t-shirt. So he really phoned it in for this party. So the historical figure he's dressing as is loser. (laughs) Damon says, who's that? And Elena says, Megan's hometown friend, i.e. the latest person of interest in the Whitmore mystery. BRB. And she goes. And Damon's like, okay, so I'll just dance by myself, I guess. He said, I don't know anyone here. (laughs) She approaches Aaron and says, hey, whatever your name is, nice t-shirt, understated. And he says, hey, whatever you're supposed to be. Do the math. Do the math. Also, you don't have a costume. Uh, She (laughs) says, Anne Boleyn, be beheading, obviously. She's giggling. She's, She's being charming. He says, impressed. She said, well, I didn't pick it. My friend did. She doesn't say that. She takes the credit. (laughs) (laughs) She says, so does a costume compliment earn me a formal introduction? And he says, why do you want to know who I am? And then she's had enough of that. So she compels him. 
<laughs> or so she thinks. I mean, who knows? I feel like it's a pretty reasonable bet that he's drinking Vervain. Sure. Something to be concerned about at the minimum. So either she compels him or he pretends to be compelled. Yeah. But either way, she gets the answer she's looking for at the time. She says, did you kill Megan? He says, of course not. And then she says, then why are you acting so shady? And he says, because everyone around me dies. It's like a curse. My friends, my family, one by one, I've lost every single person in my life. And if you had any idea what survivor's guilt felt like, you'd leave me alone. So that's interesting. Now, here's what I have to say about that. Yeah, I would love to hear what you have to say about this. The other person we know who had all their family die around them, that notably started when she was around vampires. Just something to think about there. It may also, you know, have something to do with why Wes Maxfield, you know, guardian or dad, wherever he falls in, why he's testing on vampires. You know, maybe a vampire killed Wes's wife or Aaron's mother, whether they're the same person or not. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Wes tested on Aaron's mother first. And now he feels very guilty for, you know, killing her most likely or leading to her death in some way. And he took Aaron in as penance for that. Now, whether Aaron knows that or not could remain to be seen. You've said in the past in this episode, you've implied at least, that you think Aaron knows about vampires. That last guess was a separate thing. Like if he happens to not know about vampires. Like I, th I think it's more likely that he knows about vampires and he knows they killed his family? Yeah, or he suspects. Or he's been told that vampires killed his family. Sure. Perhaps his guardian killed his family. I don't trust the man. <laughs> Let's just say that. Let's just get that on, on the recording. I don't trust either of these blonde bitches. <laughs> Elena compels him like, hey, forget about my questions. He says, it's Aaron, my name. See you around, maybe. And he leaves. Then Tessa enters she walks down the stairs very slowly as if she is waiting for the whole room to turn to her and they don't and she's so slay for it. It looks like she's never walked downstairs in heels before. Yes, totally. And realistically, she might not have. And it is only like the suggestion of a Cleopatra costume. It is a beige dress. Yeah, and like the beaded wig. And you know what? That's the spirit of this party. It's like, if you're going to dress as a historical figure, you also want to look hot. So yes, wear the beaded wig and a tan dress. I totally support it. That's kind of the spirit of a Cleopatra costume as well. Like if you're dressing yes. as Cleopatra, you don't really need it to be accurate. Like you're doing it because you want to look hot. You want to look hot. More power to her for that. Mm -hmm. She approaches Stefan, who's at the bar drinking. Already a red flag. You know, why are you going up to someone who looks just like the man that you hate so much? I mean, it's not a good sign. Especially, girly, you have a to-do list here. Yeah. You don't need to flirt. Go do your fucking spell. Tessa opens with an incredible line to Stefan. She says, you know, where I come from, open vermin, ceramic jugs of Phoenician wine. Like, oh, my God, we get it. You're from ancient Greece. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan, who doesn't recognize her and just thinks this is some lady at the bar, says, OK. He's like, is that like a reference to Cleopatra? I OK, I'm going to get another bourbon. And she says, you've no idea who I am, do you? And he says, no offense, but I actually have no idea who a lot of people are, so. He's like, don't worry, it's not just you. He said, I have amnesia. <laughs> she says, Tessa, formerly known as Katsia. And he says, oh, the girl who wiped my memories, I've heard your name. And she says, nothing personal, a little ex-boyfriend drama. Let me make it up to you. Buy you an I'm sorry drink. First of all, girl, you just said it was an open bar, so you can't <laughs> buy him a drink. And second of all, girl, get up, get away from here. Look, 
you are still waiting to get revenge on the ex-boyfriend. Maybe find someone different. Yeah, maybe let's get revenge first and then get a new boyfriend. And I would personally suggest get a boyfriend who looks like someone else. But you know how people on the show are. They they find one face they like and they say, let me find another one of them. They say, I don't need to try anything new. Another brunette, please. <laughs> Damon approaches and says, more like an I'm sorry, Keg, pardon us. And he takes Stefan to a separate room. Yeah, he's like, no, we're not doing this. I, I have a job to do. <laughs> he said, we're not getting this involved. In a separate room, Stefan says, you know, brother, you are a terrible wingman. And Damon says, trust me, the last guy who hit on her is still paying for it. You don't want to be wingmaned here. Yeah. Stefan says, what exactly are we doing here? And then Silas approaches behind Stefan. He doesn't see him at first. Silas says, hello, me. Stefan turns to Silas and then Damon snaps Stefan's neck. Silas takes Stefan's leather jacket so he can really complete the look. Because he couldn't just go get his own leather jacket. Yeah. And Damon says, you want to explain to me why I just killed my brother? Why didn't you ask before you did it? <laughs> I know it's a storytelling device for us. Yeah, but it's still funny. Silas says, well, Tessa's spell mentally linked us. I lost my psychic abilities. Stefan lost his memories. Damon says, and this severed the link. And then Silas, to prove his point, reads Damon's mind and says, yes, Damon, I can read your mind again. No, I'm not lying. And maybe you enjoyed breaking your brother's neck just a little bit too much. And Damon says, sold. And I do want to say this does imply that, like, death will reset Stefan and bring his memories back. But it becomes pretty clear later in the episode that's not necessarily true. Well, I just had the thought that, you know, maybe Stefan dying doesn't bring his memories back. But maybe if Silas dies, that's what brings Stefan's memory back. So you kind of have to wait for the other one to die. That's a good point. You know, you think you got away with me not thinking of that. But mm -hmm. I got it. You can't stop me. My brain is too powerful. Call me Silas, baby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Damon says, sold. He's like, great, you got your psychic powers, deal. And Silas says, okay, well, I'm going to cozy up to the witch and sift through her mind to figure out where she's hiding the anchor. All you got to do, keep that guy dead. Really simple assignment that Damon manages to screw up. Yeah. Damon says, hey, isn't Tessa going to be slightly suspicious when the man whose brain she just fried is all of a sudden showing interest in her? I wish she would be, but no. But alas, she is just a woman. Damon, you know how down bad you have been for both Catherine and Elena? That's Tessa. That's Tessa for men who look like Stefan. Like, do you get it now? <laughs> Silas says, of all the men here, Tessa went straight for Stefan. This face won her heart before. A woman never forgets her first love, no matter how badly it ended. Silas essentially says, I'm so unbelievably hot, she will not be able to think critically. And he's right. I mean, he's got a point. It is damning that she went to the party and immediately went up to Stefan. Yeah. Try someone else first. Like, you can talk to him eventually, but, like, mix it up. Go talk to Tyler. Go talk to Damon. Talk to Aaron. <laughs> Silas approaches Tessa, and she says, look who's back. Am I in trouble? And Silas says, well, according to my brother, I'm supposed to hate you. And she says, and do you? And he says, I'll tell you after that drink. Tessa. And she's like, I've done it. <laughs> she said, wow, I'm so charming and beautiful. Oh, poor Tessa. She doesn't deserve it. It's just, it's not fair. Silas hates to see a bad bitch winning. Silas and Tessa take shots. And Silas says, good. You like tequila. And she says, yeah, but not as much as bacon. She's so real. 
Yeah, she's been trying all the modern shit. <laughs> she says, in my day, it was all about lamb. No one thought to cure pig fat. Silas forces a laugh out. <laughs> and she's like, hell yeah, he laughed. And then he says, God, you have the most beautiful smile. Tessa. Tessa, I'm I'm begging you. Wake up, girl. But no, she wants to flirt so bad. She says, you're going to stare at it all night or you're going to ask me to dance. He holds out his hand and they dance. On the dance floor, we go over and check in with Caroline and Tyler. And Caroline says, hey, want to get out of here? These costumes come with handcuffs and you have a single. He says, hey, Caroline, I didn't just come back here to get you in bed. Well, you haven't been talking or anything. So that's kind of seems like that's what you're doing. You had no fucking issue with it the first few times before you dumped her. Yeah. Asshole. She says, I know, but it's just a happy byproduct of us being in school together. And he says, no, I'm actually going to gaslight her a little longer. Uh, (laughs) He says, I'm just really glad I'm here. And they hug. But we can all see the writing on the wall. (laughs) Yeah, things aren't looking good for Forward. And thank God for that. Silas and Tessa dance across the dance floor. And Silas says, so what brings you to a college costume ball? Great question. We're all thinking it. (laughs) She says, look at me. Last time I looked this good, I couldn't enjoy it. And he says, right. The whole being stood up at your wedding thing. And she says, you shouldn't know that. I told you that before I fried your memories. Good thinking, girl. Good catch. But Silas doesn't blink an eye. And he says, okay, you got me. I might have asked around about you. And she folds immediately. She says, and I'm paranoid. Girl, you should be paranoid. You're trying to dance with a guy who looks exactly like the man who stood you up at the wedding. Like, this is the time to be paranoid. Who, by the way, you know is still around. Yeah. It's bad for her. It's just a bad move. Bad night for Ketsy all around. Yeah. She says, that's what I get for trying to marry a lying, manipulative bastard. And Silas is, oh, come on. The guy must have had some redeeming qualities. I mean, we know he was extremely good looking, right? I mean, was he at least funny? Silas loves his sense of humor. He prides himself on it. Yeah, he's like, come on, say something nice about me. You bitch. (laughs) Tessa (laughs) says, are you defending him? And Silas says, no, it's just that, you know, You've been on this revenge kick for 2,000 years, and maybe hating him is an excuse to keep him in your life. Maybe there's a part of you that still loves him. I I mean, the logic tracks. That's all I'm going to say. It's looking possible. Yes. That's all I'll say. (laughs) She says, you know, I really hope he thinks that. I want to see his face when he realizes just how wrong he is. And then Silas decides to, you know, let down the facade for a second. He says, okay. I got to admit, there's a part of me that just wanted to hear you say you still love me. That's how big my ego is. And then she's like, oh, fuck, you're Silas, huh? She said, oh, man. He says, but since you're obviously in denial, where's the anchor to the other side? And then he, you know, does a little bit of mind reading. And she says, I don't know. I'm looking for it, too. And he compels her doing this. And and I don't know why she's not having Vervain. And he says, what do you mean? You created it. How do you not know? And she says, yeah, I created it, but the travelers hid it after they killed me. They move it constantly. Because if travelers are going to do one thing, they're going to travel. Yeah. Well, and they said, no, we don't want Silas to find peace either. And we'll do everything we can to stop it. Man, this man pissed off a lot of people. (laughs) Silas says, what are you doing here then? And she says, my pendant is in one of these displays. It's a magical talisman that enhances my powers. I need it to do a locator spell so I can find the anchor. And Silas says, okay, well then get to it and forget everything we just spoke about. He compels her. She looks a little confused, but then she says, thank you for the dance. And he says, thank you. And he kisses her hand and she leaves. 
And then his head starts to hurt. He starts groaning because in the study, Stefan is starting to come too. Damon says, hey. And Stefan says, breaking my neck, pumping me full of vervain. All we need is a Damon-sized rationalization. And Damon says, well, I have one. <laughs> Damon says, the new you sucks. And Stefan says, how would the old me deal with this? Barrel full of laughs? No. <laughs> Damon says, come on, you know, it wasn't about him. Stefan says, oh, who's it about then, Damon? About you? Your desperation to prove to Elena you're a worthy boyfriend? Ooh, stepped on his neck a bit. Because it is actually about that, at least a little bit. <laughs> and Damon says, I'm going to get her BFF back, okay? And then he snaps Stefan's neck again. Which is basically like, yeah, it is to prove Elena I'm a worthy boyfriend, actually. Like, yeah, but I'm going to do something nice in the process of that, which will prove just how worthy I am. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> On the dance floor, Silas gets a text from Damon that says, hurry up. Then we go in the back alley of the diner we were at earlier. Nadia is sitting there with the steak still in her chest or the cane. So everyone in the diner just said, that's gross. Move her out of here. And then went back to eating. The guy whose cane she broke was like, can you get out of here? I'm eating. That's my fucking cane, you bitch. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> Catherine says, there you are. Having trouble getting it out? I grazed your heart on purpose. And Nadia says, which means you didn't want me dead. You still want something. And Catherine says, I do, actually. I want to know why you made up that fake story about your mom. So Catherine knows that was a lie. Again, a lot of plot holes in it. Nadia says, it was a test. You failed. And Catherine says, I knew it was a fake story. By 1645, I'd been running from Klaus for a century and a half. There's no way any of his minions would have mistaken anyone for me. But you know how my brain works. So you must have known I wouldn't fall for that sob story. And Nadia says, well, I wanted to get under your skin. And it worked because here you are. Catherine pushes the stake in a little bit more and says, what kind of sick game are you playing? And then Nadia reveals her true intentions, her true agenda after all this time. She says, it's not a game, Catherine. You did kill my mother. Only it wasn't in Paris. It was in a little cottage in England, and it wasn't 1645. It was April 6th, 1492, and she was all alone, exiled by her family two years earlier. You stuck her head in a noose, pushed her off the chair, and snapped her neck. She says, my name is Nadia Petrova, and you're my mother. And I did eventually guess this. Yeah, well, Nadia was giving the speech. You went, oh, Rose? Wait, who is that other person with Rose? Wait, what? <laughs> then you said, oh, daughter. <laughs> I did doing the fake mom story. I said, is this her daughter? And then I got away from that really quick. Yeah. And then I went the Rose path. Then I went whoever that other woman was. And then I eventually got to daughter about two seconds before Nadia said it. But I did beat her to it. <laughs> and it was funny because when we were talking about Nadia and her agenda and whatever, last episode or two episodes ago, you were like... <laughs> She might be some kind of descendant. You named basically any relative that wasn't daughter. You, you could not get it. The age thing is so hard to get past. They really want to throw you off. Yeah. Like they're like the same age. How was I going to guess daughter and mother? There was a time maybe when we met Isabel the first time that I tried to be like, well, remember Catherine had that baby. Yeah. So I was kind of trying to keep it top of mind for you, but I did want you to not get it. No, I was aware of it recently. I remembered it recently. I mean, I did think about it. I just, I did get it. Just when they were telling it to us. Yeah. Well, before they told us. About two seconds before, which is exactly when they want you to reveal it. <laughs> it was just very funny when you were guessing because you were getting so close, but you never, you never thought a daughter. So it was funny because I was like, oh, she's getting, she's dancing. Dancing around it. 
as I love to do. I love to get close, but no cigar. I was giggle, giggle, giggling. Then we go back over to the ball. Elena walks up to Dr. Maxfield. He's wearing a goofy top hat. He's very much giving Jack the Ripper. I saw the top hat and I was like, he can't think this is Abraham Lincoln, right? Like, (laughs) I was like, he has to know this hat looks too ridiculous for that to make sense. I know. It's unclear what he is at first. And then he says, you look like a woman on your way to the guillotine. She says, actually, she was beheaded with a sword. Okay. The joke plays. (laughs) And he says, see, that's why I teach bio. You literally have beakers full of blood in your lab. What the fuck do you care? Yeah. She says, and you are Abe Lincoln? Because if there's one historical period Elena knows about, it's the Civil War. Well, like, Top Hat is kind of synonymous with Abe Lincoln. And to be fair, he's not a historical figure. He's a fictional character. He misunderstood the ball. The theme is vague at best. Yeah. He says that he's Dr. Jekyll. Seems like a pretty obvious thing to read into. Yeah, exactly. She says, oh, I see that. So where's Mr. Hyde? And he says, I don't know. I'm not responsible for my darker half. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing about Jekyll and Hyde is he is responsible for Mr. Hyde. He does have to answer for Mr. Hyde's actions. That's like the plot. That's the main thing Dr. Jekyll goes through. (laughs) is like learning to accept his darker impulses. And own up to them. Pretty clear allegory. Yeah, he didn't read the book because he teaches biology. He just wanted to wear a suit because he's here to flirt with students, bitch. Like he can't dress as fucking Freud. If you're going to dress as a fucking fictional character, dress as James Bond or some shit. Or you know what? Be Abraham Lincoln if you want the top hat so bad. (laughs) I think he thought about dressing as Freud and he's like, no, this one seems a little too creepy. I'm going to go with Jekyll and Hyde. (laughs) What? Okay. Yeah. Slightly better. Not really. It kind of feels like he should have just gone as a scientist since he's a science guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Freud, Einstein, Darwin. Darwin. There are many, many options of scientists. But no, he said, "Mm, I'm going to miss the point of a book I didn't read. He said, I'm actually going to do a fictional character of a book I didn't read. And it's going to be one that is suspicious and makes me look untrustworthy. He said, to be completely honest, I don't really give a fuck what my costume is. I'm here to flirt with 18-year-olds. He said, and one thing I know, 18-year-olds love a top hat. (laughs) And everyone's like, who told you that? (laughs) He said, I really know how to get the ladies. Everyone's like, I hate to tell you, the girl who complimented your top hat was making fun of you. Yeah, there was one girl at one point that said, your top hat's so cute, Dr. Maxfield. And he said, I'm going to make this my personality now. (laughs) And she was full making fun of him. And Elena says, would it be totally inappropriate if a student asked you to dance? Yeah. First of all, yes. I'll answer that question. But instead, he says, who could refuse a queen? Besides, you're not, nor will you ever be, one of my students. One of the most inappropriate answers to the already inappropriate question. This is deeply inappropriate and also somehow misogynist. Like, he's somehow implying that she'll never take a science class. Which is like... Why are we doing that? Well, you're not my student because you're so fucking stupid. (laughs) So it's okay. Who could refuse a queen? It's also like a little, you know, whatever. We don't need to read totally into historical relevance. But like Anne Boleyn was like very young and manipulated by Henry VIII. Yeah. Again, Caroline (laughs) saying the quiet part out loud with that costume choice. (laughs) Caroline ate on that. (laughs) 
Caroline did have points with it, and I got to give it to her. I got to give it to Caroline. She she made her point. She made her point, but she said, no, look, Elena, you're Anne Boleyn. It's so fun and cute. She's like, it's a cute costume, but also if you want to read into the historical significance, you can. Yeah, if you want to think about it a little bit. And she's like, and I have plausible deniability. I can say, no, I just wanted to get you a cute dress, but my point was pretty clear. Yeah. She slayed. She ate. She served. She does what she always does. Yeah. So... He does a way too suggestive spin to start a dance with Elena. Yeah, gets a little too close to this 18-year-old whose father you're maybe friends with. It's getting weird. And then Elena says, major points for the dance moves, but zero points for lying on my roommate's death certificate. Flawless segue. Really subtle, bitch. <laughs> She's wasting no time. She said, enough flirting. She said, okay, I've I've flirted with enough older men in my life. I don't need to waste the time with it with you. Let's get down to the, the details of this. Yeah. He says, look, I didn't want to lie, but I couldn't exactly tell her parents a mountain lion attacked her at a frat party. I'd be fired. That answer is why you picked suicide, not why you lied. But he is, I mean, he's trying to get some stuff out of Elena here. He's basically trying to get her to admit she's a vampire, or at least that she knows about them, because he's got he's got his thoughts. <laughs> Keep in tight-lipped about what those thoughts are. <laughs> he is doing some thinking. <laughs> Let's say that. He says, want to know my theory? I think a vampire hunted her down, ripped her throat out, and threw her off that roof. Here's my question. Do you think this is a theory? Or do you think he knows that's what happened? Do you think he's implying that Elena did this? Oh, yeah. He knows a vampire did this, mm -hmm. is my thought. I'm more likely to believe that he knows of other vampires that could have done it rather than suspecting Elena. Do you think he knows the specific vampire who did it? I would guess yes, because I think he turned that person. I, I basically said that last week as well, and I'm going to stick with it. You think it's one of his subjects? Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Even though I do think like it would be fair for him to be suspicious of Elena, but I'm going to stick with my original instinct on him. Fair point. Elena says, <laughs> what do you know about vampires? Girl, <laughs> you didn't even cover it well. Could have at least been like, oh, so you're like my father. He told me about vampires. I guess I didn't know other people knew. So that's why you had a relationship with my father. You knew about vampires like him. Yeah. But then he stops dancing. He's had enough flirting and he's had enough finding out information. He says, doesn't matter what I know, Elena, because we're never going to see each other again. She says, why is that? And he whispers. He goes close to her ear because he's still trying to get it in. Yeah. Um, he says, because there are people at this school watching you and your friends and asking questions you don't want them to ask. So pack your things, drop out and move back to Mystic Falls. And he walks away. Now, now, well, I think this is possible. Mm -hmm. He also wants to test on a vampire who knows them, who he just turned. It would behoove him to not have that many vampires around who would catch him doing that because he did not mention that. It would behoove him to get rid of witnesses or anyone who knows who can make any connection to him and his projects. Yeah, because this girl already knows he lied on a death certificate. He doesn't really need those people around. Mm -hmm. And this is a convenient way to hopefully scare her into leaving. That's all I'll say. Do you think this is going to effectively scare her into leaving or do you think she's going to stick around? I think she's going to stick around because Elena never knows when to quit. Ain't that the truth? Because here's the thing. Why are you guys in college anyway? I mean, you had your fun. You did some of it. I would just go to a different college. If I want to have my college experience, I want to do it away from people who are dealing with vampires. It yeah. just makes it easier for me. I can just go have fun. 
Sorry to Damon, I'll go another hour out of the way. Well, and also, like, Damon doesn't have to live at the Salvador house. Yeah. They can move to another state. Like, the Salvador house will be there. It's not like he pays rent on it. Yeah. Elsewhere, Caroline finds Tyler sitting on the stairs and drinking. She says, hey there, what's up? Yeah, he looks in a great mood. And then he finally decides to start, you know, owning up to some shit. He says, hey, Caroline, I can't do the college thing right now. Let's be a little more specific, Tyler. (laughs) She says, I completely understand. I've been pushing way too hard and you need to make your own decisions. The point is you're back and we're together. He says, "Mm, not back. He says, oh, you're misreading a lot. um, And now I have to just, I have to dump you apparently. I thought you were eventually going to take the hint. He says, I thought you were going to cheat on me with Stefan, but that's taking a while. You guys should really hook up. You have a lot of chemistry. (laughs) He says, do you know the reason we're together? And she says, yes, it's because we love each other. He says, because Klaus granted us permission to be together. And I'm sorry, but I can't live like this. Well, and here's my thing, Tyler. You didn't even try to be with her when you didn't have permission. So that sounds like a you issue, not a Klaus issue. Okay. And also Klaus spun off. Yeah. She's not giving him the time of day right now. Why are you giving him the time of day? Because you're insecure. Yeah. Well, and Klaus also gave you permission to be with her the whole summer and you've been avoiding her the whole time. It's like, you're just mad that he had power over you. He doesn't think about you anymore. He doesn't care enough to stop you from doing anything. So why are you letting him control your whole life and thought process? Well, and also, yes. Klaus did kill his mom. I don't mean to minimize that. Yeah. But it's not like Tyler didn't retaliate against Klaus. He unsired all his fucking hybrids. Like, let's call it all even. And yeah, it's unfortunate that your mom got killed. But she was also one of the only parents left. You don't see Caroline, like, holding a massive grudge over a lurk for killing her dad. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you guys are all vampires and hybrids. Like, people are gonna die. It's unfortunate. Yeah. But, like... I mean, you were going against Klaus. Did you think he wasn't going to do something? Mm -hmm. You sound like Vanessa Hudgens, who's like, yeah, people are going to die, which is terrible, but but inevitable. inevitable? That is me. That is me with Tyler and his mom. And also, everyone in your group deals with death all the time. And it's at any number of people's hands. But that's not the conversation you're having right now. You're having the conversation with your girlfriend, who you are supposedly in love with. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's making it about Klaus. One thing about Klaus is he's going to break a couple up because this is the same thing that came between Elena and Stefan that was truly their undoing is that Stefan wanted revenge on Klaus more than he wanted to mend things with Elena. Yeah. And Tyler's doing the same thing here. And Caroline says, oh, I see. So this is about Klaus. When Caroline says this, it's also becoming clear too that there's probably some deep-seated jealousy from Tyler that there's even a part of Caroline that was ready to forgive and talk to Klaus. Mm-hmm. Like we think all the way back to last Miss Mystic Falls when she was able to laugh and joke with Klaus and that fucking got right under his skin. Mm-hmm. He says, no, this isn't about Klaus. This is about me. And then he goes on to mention Klaus again. So it is about Klaus. Yeah. He says, he killed my mom and got away with it. I can't just start caring about sociology and frat parties. But you have no issue caring about a random werewolf pack? Exactly. What is a werewolf pack if not a fraternity? There's just some girls there. But guess what? There are girls at the fraternity too. They never leave. And what is a full moon but a frat party? If we're getting down to it. (laughs) She says, you haven't even given it a chance. And he says, I didn't come here to give it a chance. He said, no, I gave up on this already. But I've just been too big of a loser to say anything about it. 
And now I'm mad at you for being surprised by me blindsiding you. Yeah. And so she realizes kind of all these things that she hasn't let herself realize yet. And she says, you came here to say goodbye. He says, I need to go after him. Find a way to destroy his life more than he destroyed mine. Unfortunately, the gag is uh, Klaus kind of nailed it on destroying your life. I think it's going to be pretty hard to one up him. Yeah. How do you intend on doing that? I mean, be serious. So it makes it sound like Tyler's about to head into spinoff mode. Do you think Tyler will be spinning off into the originals? I mean, the thing is, like, that's not an interesting, like, villain for Klaus to face. Mm -hmm. Tyler's not capable of beating Klaus. I mean, I think it's realistic he could go into spinoff mode and, like, want to hang out with Haley and maybe try to get at Klaus that way of like, I want to take this baby from Haley. But in what world is Haley going to just like give her baby to Tyler? So that's the only way I can consider him even thinking about revenge. I mean, I think it's possible he'll go on the spinoff, but he just, why would he care what Klaus is doing this bad? So do you think Tyler will be back with his metaphorical tail between his legs from New Orleans? You think he'll be back on the Vampire Diaries? Yeah, or he'll die. Or he'll die. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Klaus killed him just to as a nuisance. Just to wrap it up. Sorry to Tyler, but what are you giving? Yeah, Tyler's like a fly in Klaus's ear <laughs> at this point. I mean, or he'll come back and maybe go to college, but that'll be embarrassing. I can't believe I'm saying it. I don't really care what happens to Tyler. He could die. <laughs> it is funny that like in season one, if I had said there will be a time you won't really care if Tyler lives or dies. You'd be like, that can't be. I'd be like, no, you know, maybe you felt that way, but it won't be that way for me. But me, I'm built different. But no, he can go. I'll trade him for just about anybody on this show. Mm -hmm. You'll trade him for Dr. Maxfield at this point. It's a toss up. It is. (laughs) Which is somehow even more insulting. At least Dr. Maxfield is interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Caroline says, you know what, Tyler, for someone who hates Klaus, you certainly sound a lot like him. And she leaves. She slayed there. Again, this is the same thing that destroyed Stefan and Elena. But of course, Tyler wouldn't know that as intimately as some other people might. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't have the emotional intelligence to figure it out, even if he did know about that. Ain't that the truth? We go to some room where things are on display. No one's looking at these displays, by the way. They're all here for the open bar. (laughs) Tessa walks in and she finds her pendant. And eagle-eyed viewers will notice this is the pendant that Shane gave Bonnie last season. So Shane looted. Of course he did. Of course he did. You were saying that when we first met Shane, you're like, he stole witch artifacts. He sure did. Oh, so I was right. Slay me. You ate on that. You really did. <laughs> uh, he looted this pendant. Tessa picks up the pendant and starts to do a spell as Silas walks in. And she says, Stefan, come to see the show. She is so, so embarrassing for this. <laughs> you're going to be hating this for years, Miss Tessa. Yeah, this is more embarrassing than being left at the altar, I fear. You're going to be thinking about this 2,000 years down the line and cringing. Yeah. Silas says, oh, what are you doing? And she says, I've been using this pendant to find something I'm looking for. And I found it. And he says, good. And then he reads her mind. But then he starts groaning. And she says, oh, my God, Stefan? Tessa, open your eyes, girl. Elsewhere in the study, Damon is looking at Stefan and he sees Stefan's hand move, but nothing else. And Damon, like a dumbass, says, hey, you awake? You know, it can't hurt to, even if he's dead, snap his neck again. You're not going to kill him permanently that way. You might as well. At the very least, like, throw something and see if he flinches. Just try to get him to flinch. Damon instead gets really close and says, Stefan, you alive again? He, like, taps his face. Stefan knows he has him. He quickly jumps and snaps Damon's neck and says, how's it feel, brother? Damon can't answer. Yeah. 
probably should have given Stefan a little more information, not that he would care because he has amnesia. Mm-hmm. Then we go over to, you know, the room where Tessa is. And Tessa says, Stefan, are you okay? And then Stefan comes in and says, that's Silas. <laughs> Stefan doesn't even ease into it. He says, that's Silas. It sounds like he really wanted to say, that's Silas, dumbass. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's obviously Silas, you idiot. Stefan punches Silas, knocks him to the ground, and takes his daylight ring back and tells Tessa, BTW, Silas is working with my brother and everything he said to you was a lie. And then Stefan leaves. Yeah. He's like, well, I got my point across. Silas looks up and Tessa says, well, that's all he knows how to do is lie. You know where the anchor is? Too bad you won't be around to find it. And she starts to do a spell. And Silas says, you fool, you can't kill me. And she says, I don't have to kill you yet. And she continues her spell. And he says, you love me. You know you love me. She says, you know, I did love you. And then you broke my heart. Now I'm going to break yours. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. She reaches in and grabs his heart. And she says, or at least I'm going to stop it from working so your blood can't flow, your veins dry up, and you rot from the inside out so the world can see you exactly as you are, a cold, gray, hideous monster. And she does what she said she's going to do. And he gets all gray and veiny. He looks uh, dead. She smiles. She lets a tear out. But, you know, she knows she girl bossed here. Yeah. Then we go over to the stairs exiting the party venue. Dr. Maxfield passes by Aaron on the stairs. And at first they look like just two guys. But then we realize they know each other. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Maxfield says, where do you think you're going? And Aaron says, what? Yeah. And it's like, why do you care? <laughs> And Dr. Maxfield says, okay, give him. And Aaron says, I'm fine. And then Dr. Maxfield says, he sighed, releasing the molecules of alcohol on his breath. Major nerd alert. Boy, shut up. That is so embarrassing. (laughs) It's so embarrassing. Ew! (laughs) And then Aaron says, you know, you sound like that dad who thinks he's cool, but isn't. And Dr. Maxfield says, well, I'll settle for that uncool and mildly responsible legal guardian. Keys now. So... Aaron refers to him as dad. Dr. Maxfield refers to himself as legal guardian. A little unclear. What we do know is they are familiar with each other. Yeah, maybe the word dad feels too emotional to Dr. Maxfield. <laughs> he's, a, he's a scientific man. Yeah, he's like, no, you have to earn the right to call me dad. I don't like you enough for that yet. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron gives Dr. Maxfield his keys and says, can I at least have some money for a cab? I mean, you do manage my trust, right? You said earlier you think Dr. Maxfield knows the vampire who killed Megan. Do you think Aaron also knows the vampire who killed Megan? No. Do you think he knows it was a vampire, though? He might know the vampire, but I don't think he knows for sure a vampire killed Megan. Mm -hmm. I think he's suspicious of it. Sure. Because I think he knows, like, suicide's a cover-up. He feels confident that Megan wouldn't kill herself. I'm assuming he knows about vampires. I think he's like, that's probably a likely situation, because why else would they lie? But I don't think he knows anything for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And if he knows the vampire who did it, I don't think he knows they did it. Sure. Do you think Aaron also does little science experiments on vampires? No. I don't think he really has any interest based on the way that he showed up to this party. I think he's pretty lazy. Do you think Aaron has a major? I don't think he's in college. You don't think he's a student at this school? You think he just hangs out? I think he's just hanging out. Interesting. Why is he hanging out here? Why would he hang out in a big city? This is where the guy who manages his trust is. Sure. He also likes 18-year-olds. How old do you think Aaron is? 21, 22. Don't you think then he could manage his own trust? That's a good point. 
And also because Megan is probably like 18. Yeah. But if he's 18, couldn't he manage his own trust? So what is he, 16? Maybe he can't manage his trust until like 25. Dr. Maxwell gives Aaron some cash for a cab and says, BTW, I saw you talking to Elena Gilbert. Do yourself a favor. Stay away from that one. And Aaron says, why? Dr. Maxfield says, because behind my very uncool exterior, I do care about you, Aaron. And Aaron says, yeah, whatever, and leaves. And Dr. Maxfield says, be safe. Yeah, that does make it seem that like Dr. Maxfield is pretty sure Elena's a vampire. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, her roommate was the one whose death you covered up. So, (laughs) yeah. Here's my other question. If Aaron does indeed know about vampires, why wouldn't Dr. Maxfield just say she's a vampire, BTW? I don't think Dr. Maxfield knows Aaron knows. Sure. Either that or Dr. Maxfield doesn't want to say for sure she's a vampire or not. Maybe he doesn't know. Or maybe he wants Elena to, you know, leave the college. So he's like, don't give her a reason to stay. Okay. Interesting. Then we go over to some room. Damon is standing over Silas's desiccated body. Elena comes in. She's like, oh my God, Stefan. And Damon says, not Stefan. Don't worry about it, girl. Elena says, Silas, what the hell is going on? And Damon says, looks like Tessa had her way with him. And Elena says, so if that's Silas... He's not a problem anymore. Like, this is a good thing, right? Damon says, actually, no. Actually, it's very bad. When it is notable, too, I'll say this. We don't see Stefan after this happens. So this Silas death could have been enough to bring his memories back. That's a good point. Where do you think Stefan is right now? Crying in his bed somewhere, thinking about drowning? Yeah, I mean, if he got his memories back, maybe he just went home. Although I guess maybe they would have seen him at home. I think he's just out and about, wandering. Getting some bourbon. Maybe getting into his ripper time. I think he's earned it. Maybe ripping it up. <laughs> Maybe he's out ripping. <laughs> then we go over to a hotel. Nadia wakes up. She's all healed. And Catherine is standing by the window, just looking outside. And Nadia says, you know, you're a fool not to run. Silas is going to find you. And Catherine says, mm, or he won't. You know, you're the one who said it. I'm pretty good at dodging the diabolical ones. Besides, Silas doesn't even need me until he figures out how to destroy the other side. If he cures himself before then, he goes back to being a witch. He dies as a witch. He's stuck in supernatural purgatory. More exposition on that. Yeah. It's a little bit involved, so we always have to remind ourselves. And then Catherine turns to Nadia and says, there's just been one outstanding question which has been nagging me for the last 500 years. Where were you in 1498? Nadia says, I don't know, I was eight. (laughs) She's like, how am I supposed to know? Catherine says, because... By 1498, I'd escaped, ditched the people that were chasing me, and found my way back to Bulgaria. I searched every village, every cottage, but I couldn't find you. And Nadia says, you went back? And Catherine says, yes, I went back for you. It's nice to meet you. She holds out a mug, and Nadia is a little suspicious, but does take it. This is an interesting scene. Do you think Catherine did go back to Bulgaria to search for Nadia? I think it's possible. I Yeah, I think it is possible. It's early enough that, I, you know that she might have been looking for family in that way. She might not have fully decided she had to be on her own. So I'm going to say yes, even though this is also a convenient story that no one can verify. Yeah, especially because she was like, where were you in 1498? And Nadia was like, I don't know. And she's like, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) What if Nadia was like, I was in the village. Okay, what about uh, 1499? She's like, crazy, what village? Because I I swear I searched all but that one. (laughs) (laughs) Then we go back to Caroline's dorm room. Tyler is packing his things. He didn't even bother moving it his own single. And Caroline comes in. And he says, hey. She says, hey. And she says, so, I've been thinking. And I've decided I'm not going to have this conversation again. I can't just sit here while I'm waiting for you to come back. And Tyler says, well, I don't want that either. 
it's just like you just dump her then tyler you're really keeping her on the hook in a rude way yeah clearly you don't care enough to actually date her so you might as well be the bad guy and go yeah caroline says then stay just be the love of my life just love me more than you hate him and tyler says "Mm, no i'm not gonna do that actually he says no that doesn't sound like me he tries to leave and she says no like don't walk away from me I swear to God, if you take one more step, we're done. Like, no more surprises, no more excuses, no more chances. We are done. Tyler cries, but he doesn't even look back, and he just walks out. The nerve of this man. He is just garbage. He still had to make her dump him. He is so fucking loser vibes. Then we go over to the Salvatore house. Damon pours himself a drink, and he catches up with Elena on the day while Silas lays on the couch, desiccated. Damon says, so Professor Blondie knows about vampires? Elena says, he said that if I don't drop out of school, the wrong people are going to start asking the right questions. And Damon says, that's not good. What are you going to (laughs) do? And she says, I don't know. But all I do know is that finding out the truth about Megan isn't going to bring Bonnie back. Great realization. Could have told you that at the beginning of the episode, girl. And Damon says, yeah, well, neither is a desiccated Silas in our living room. And Elena says, so the only way for him to trade in his life for Bonnie's is if he's a witch, but the only way to become a witch is to have the cure. And Damon says, yeah. And then there's a knock at the door. And Damon says, now who could that be? He opens the door and says, why, hello. And it's Catherine looking snatched, looking slay. And so she somehow escaped Nadia. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe gave her some vervain, maybe put some sleeping pills in the tea. Maybe Nadia just let her go because that's her mom. Or maybe they're on the run together. That could be. There's having a mother-daughter vibe. Unclear at this point. But Catherine says, what is so urgent? I'm on the run. I don't really have time for a pit stop. But then she notices Silas's desiccated body on the couch. And she says, or maybe I do. Maybe I have all the time in the world. She's like, even human. I'm winning. She lets the victory wash over her. She says, Catherine Pierce eludes death yet again. As though she had anything to do with this. Yeah. She turns to Damon and Elaine and she says, and you two finally did something right for once. How's it feel? And then Damon says, oh, it feels thrilling. And then Catherine realizes that they actually did another thing right in luring her here. Yeah. And she says, Damon, no. He vampire runs to her, grabs her and says, Silas needs the cure to become a witch. And then he bites Catherine's neck. She screams and she like starts begging. She's like, Damon, please. Like, I don't want to die. He needs all my blood. Like, it'll kill me, please. I don't want to die. And I'm freaking out because, you know, she's turned into a human this season. Her life feels a little more fragile. I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, death seems to be coming for Catherine. And Elena kind of watches on in horror, but she doesn't object. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I feel bad, but not that bad. <laughs> she's like, I don't know if I'm going to get involved in this. <laughs> Damon says, goodbye, Catherine. All credit to Damon. He holds his fucking ground and does it. A previous Damon would not have made it through this. He really does commit to it. He feeds her neck to Silas. Silas starts drinking. He regains color and he grabs Catherine and continues to drink for a long time. Damon lets go. Damon and Elena are watching and he is drinking, drinking, drinking. And it's very much like Silas fighting Jeremy. So it is kind of like a full circle moment that makes it feel like, damn, this might really be her death like that is so full circle that it's it's looking bad it feels too good and Catherine falls to the ground and she looks dead she's laying there and i said i don't know about that yeah they couldn't get me they keep her laying on the ground long enough that it's like 
something else is going to happen because yeah. we don't see the title card. So they're listening. Damon and Elena, they're looking at what they presume to be dead Catherine. And then they start to hear a heartbeat. And Damon says, do you hear that? And Elena says, you've got to be kidding me. And Damon says, takes a lick and keeps on ticking. And then Catherine opens her eyes and she's awake and she says, am I in hell? And that's where we end the episode. She came back with a zinger. <laughs> so what do we think is up with Catherine? So I at first had the thought, like, maybe once her blood drains, she turns back into a vampire. I don't think that's the situation. What I think happens, what I think is potential. Now, this actually is already sounding stupid before I even get it out of my mouth. <laughs> Let's hear it. Now that she's been drained of blood and been used for a cure, she's actually immortal, much like Silas. Like, she's not a vampire, but she is immortal. So, yeah, I'm standing by this, that she's actually somehow immortal. Interesting. She now has Silas powers. So will she still have to drink blood? I guess Silas had to drink blood. Yeah. I think there's something special with the cured blood that it's not quite human all the way. Yeah. Like it's more human than vampire, but less human than human. Okay. Interesting. I don't know the exact logistics of it. Sure. Well, how could you? Yeah. You're making it up as you go. <laughs> and this, this may also, I'll say, just throwing this out, since we know that Nadia is a traveler and Nadia is Catherine's daughter, we know Catherine by transit property is also a traveler. So maybe there's some sort of like traveler thing that it affects how blood works or how life works. Although we haven't seen any evidence of that with Nadia, but we didn't see her transition or anything. Sure. Well, here's the other thing we have to think about is that Catherine is a doppelganger. Mm -hmm. Do you think doppelgangers react to the cure differently? Or do you think this is how the cure is going to affect anyone who now takes it? And what does this mean for Silas, who is now presumably cured? I think Silas is just cured. I think that's what it is. He's a witch now. Yeah, he's a witch now. But I think there is, I mean, I think this makes it seem like the cure then is like an infinite resource now, if this is the situation. Sure. So do you think Catherine's blood is still the cure? Or do you think now Silas's blood is the cure? Or both? I think it's still Catherine's blood. Both is an interesting thought, though. Wasn't it? But long story short, you think this means that Catherine is like a new kind of immortal creature. I think she might have always been this kind of immortal creature, but she had no way of knowing she was immortal without dying. Do you think travelers are immortal? No. But I think, like, she might have already had some other, like, level of power or strength from this blood that she just didn't know because it was less than vampire power and she was actively trying not to die. Interesting. Interesting. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. <laughs>